0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Have a happy Monday is what they always say. And, of course, we will here on this show. We got fantasy football, of course, to discuss some very big news in the world of college basketball as we zone in on March Madness in the Final Four. I know it's very big for us here on Sports Grid, And, of course, recapping a great winning score for Dustin Johnson at the Masters. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzoppia. A wonderful day of
2: football and, of course, a lot more to go with it here on this Monday. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great. What a phenomenal game against uh, the Arizona Cardinals and Buffalo Bills. That was the one I had my eye on. You knew that. It did not disappoint me. What a finish for that game. Most, if not all, except one of the home teams in the NFL won on Sunday in another wacky thing where you look at it, you go, how could that happen? How could we have that happen? Where almost every single team at home wins that never happens in the NFL, especially in a year where there's no home field advantage. So it was crazy. Again, they had the masters as well. A lot to talk about a lot to break down. Thank goodness. They give us two full hours here on the network to do it.
1: Yeah. And we will, but before we go any further, the biggest news of the day is, and and they've been going back and forth on this in terms Mm -hmm. of the NCAA tournament and here on sports grid. I know that we cover, the uh, national championship and the field of 68 uh, honestly better than anybody else we did it here last year but uh, the good news is is it looks like the college basketball season is going to be played and move on I know Rick Pitino the head coach at Iona made a comment last week maybe we push this thing back and certainly uh, all guesses are off as far as what could possibly happen Uh, but it looks like there's speculation that the tournament is going to be played in March and also bubbled up just like the NBA in one location and that location is the site of the 2021 Final Four in Indianapolis, Indiana. So if that does come to pass, definitely the safest way to get this thing done. I know the college basketball season normally is underway at this point. They're going to start in, I believe, less than two weeks. So starting off with that here on the show, college basketball season definitely looks like it is on in the championship being held in Indianapolis along with everybody else. So, Joe, that definitely brings in a lot of questions, a lot of interest. Because they played, of course, the NBA in Orlando virtually in one spot, and now they're going to have to figure out how to play this entire tournament in several spots because I don't think that they could just play in one arena. So that'll be something interesting to keep an eye <laughs> on as we move forward. But that is really the big, uh, the big story as we start today
2: it is and and different from a logistics standpoint because you're dealing with professionals you know with a collective bargaining agreement and all that as opposed to student athletes let's not forget i mean they are student athletes at the end of the day too so it's gonna be a very different process but they're hoping for the same product which is can we have these games can we have this tournament can this all work the nhl and the nba were able to uh, successfully make that all work this past year so in 2021 it seems like the smartest thing to do if you want this to happen It's probably maybe the only way you can get this done. So obviously, as more information kind of filters out there, we'll have a better idea what that picture looks like. But it's going to be a little bit different because you're talking about college athletes here and not professionals.
1: Yep. All right. So let's get into our headlines for today. Dustin Johnson, lowest winning score in Masters history at Augusta over the weekend. So congratulations to Dustin Johnson. It was really over before it started on Sunday. It was, it was amazing how well that he played to see a result in basically so quickly and know exactly who was going to win. Not normal, Uh, not normal to see a hail Mary at the end of a football game. That's for sure. From a betting perspective, this was really uh, fascinating the way that this thing uh, panned out in the end with the bomb by uh, Kyler Murray throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. He basically didn't even out jump them. The ball just kind of fell into his hands. He out, out them to get the ball uh and arizona early in the week it was a win for them midway through the week it was a loss for them they take a a knee on on the two-point conversion so they don't cover for some people uh very interesting from a gambling perspective you had people who won with the bills won with arizona lost with arizona lost with arizona and pushed you had it all across the board so very, very fascinating way to end the game. Uh, Matt Crater kicked a 59-yard field goal for the Lions to beat the Redskins. Of course, they did not cover, but they keep moving toward a potential playoff spot. A uh, Interesting, another beat in terms of uh, the spread in the end is Cleveland wins by three. Now, the line was three earlier in the week. But Nick Chubb ran uh, basically out of bounds to you know, mm-hmm. stop the game. He did not end up covering for his team, which is perfectly fine because, again, you want Cleveland to get the win. Uh, Drew Brees will be a question mark moving forward. He left the game yesterday, looked like a shoulder injury, could have been a rib injury, which is what they're saying. We're going to probably get news on that today, I would guess. He ended up playing the second half along with Taysom, will for, uh, Taysom Hill for the New Orleans Saints. And, and not to mention, he looked a little bit rusty, too. So we'll see what ends up happening with Winston, uh, officially a rib contusion for Drew Brees. So that would put his, his uh, status in doubt for sure for this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, also Teddy Bridgewater status in doubt too for the Panthers. We'll get to them in a little bit. And the Lakers trade Danny Green for the 28th pick in the draft. The Lakers are already making moves. We've got the NBA draft coming up this week. It will be very well represented. In fact, one of the kids who's going to be in the NBA draft this week actually went to my kid's school. So Vernon Mm -hmm. Carey Jr., who will be a first-round pick, uh, went to university school in Davie, played one year at Duke, will be a top-20 pick this coming week. So I'll be focused in on him. And, of course, Edwards from George will be the first pick overall. Uh, So that's a lot. That's a lot to start with. (laughs) That is a lot. (laughs) I guess we've got about a minute to go, so pick pick one topic and run with it. (laughs)
2: Well, I'm going to pick Drew Brees because I think this is the most important thing that already early speculation is that he's going to miss some time. Whenever they say some time, you know that they're not anticipating good results from whatever the tests are. So what does that impact to? The rest of this team, what does that impact to them in the standings and fantasy? There's a lot to unpack, a lot to break down there. Now, Winston, from a fantasy standpoint, should be able to at least keep them all those pieces very relevant, you would think. But it's about wins and losses now because you are right there neck and neck with the Tampa Bay Bucks. You've beaten them twice now. So you have the upper hand in terms of tiebreaker. But look, overall, long term, it's about getting Drew Brees healthy for the playoffs. And again, this is a, a tough one here and a tough timing of it as well for the New Orleans Saints.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Coming up next, we'll have our fantasy standouts from the weekend. We'll go through them. Quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back.
2: Your heart's racing.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Time to go through our fantasy standouts from Week 10 in the NFL on Sunday. For fantasy, it was not a great week for me when you end up starting guys like with the last name Hasty or Dallas, then you know where your season is headed. And unfortunately, it looks like the end is coming near here for my fantasy teams. But for the rest of you out there who are still kicking around 500 and trying to get there. We're going to help you try and get over the top here toward the end. It has not been an easy task this year for sure. So if you are over 500, good job in any fantasy league that you're playing, that's for sure. All right, we'll start off with Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, did prove indeed that the secret sauce to Brady is just not playing against the Saints. He has been the MVP <laughs> of the league. If you eliminate those two games, he is again, let me say this again. He has been the MVP of the NFL If you eliminate the two games against the Saints, but we're not going to do that because that's not the way that it works. He threw for four touchdowns. He rushed for one. He was fantastic. He was perfect basically against Carolina and it just goes to show you that no way is he done. And anytime he's challenged, he ends up coming through. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, twenty-seven to forty-six, threw over three hundred thirty passing yards against the Bengals' Swiss cheese defense. He threw for four. Claypool was involved. Juju was involved. Deontay Johnson was involved as well. We'll get to that in just a bit. Antonio Gibson scored two touchdowns, but in this day and age of fantasy football, this is the best that you can possibly ask for in fantasy because. Very few running backs are viable. Gibson ended up scoring 20 fantasy points just by the volume of getting the carries and the touches and, and scoring in the end. Josh Jacobs also scored two touchdowns against Denver. He carved them up, 112 rushing yards, four receptions, 24 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. The Broncos just kept turning the ball over in their own uh, in their own red zone, and that's that's the way that went down. Uh, Alvin Kamara not a great rushing day, but scored three touchdowns for the Saints, mostly near in the goal line. Seven receptions, 83 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. A also huge day for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Four receptions, 149 yards for him, and a touchdown on people's bench, more likely than not. And DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins, let's, let's not kid ourselves here. He did nothing until he caught that bomb at the end of the game. But we'll always look back on that game because Hail Marys in the NFL don't happen that often like that to win games, maybe once every couple of years. And indeed, it was a uh, a phenomenal catch by Hopkins. Uh, all basically, the other play, the team has to do in those spots. I, 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 to me, it's like a fireable offense to let that happen in the NFL. Like you just, it, it should never, ever happen. And in the nature that it happened with Hopkins is another one of those. I remember when Caldwell let that happen for the Lions, I believe, uh, and, and maybe Aaron Rodgers did it a couple of times. But just knock the ball down. Like I don't understand why these guys continually try and catch the ball, but that's what happened. And and Hopkins out muscled them and and ended up winning the
2: game. (laughs) Well, and not just anybody too. We're talking about three of the best defenders in the secondary in the NFL. We're talking about Micah Hyde. We're talking about Poyer. We're talking about uh White. We're talking about like some of the best in the business. And Hopkins just went up there. It was all perfect. It all worked out for him. It was, it was a fascinating engine to the game. And, you know, my kids had come down to watch the end of the game, and they saw the Stefan Diggs touchdown I went, oh, it's only 30 seconds. That means it's over because they're still getting up to speed with football, and they've done a really good job. They can name all the teams now. I'm very proud of them. They see a helmet. They know exactly who's playing and what's going on. But they said it's over. I said, well, we've got to wait because they got a couple timeouts there, and Kyler Murray is special, and he makes things happen. And sure enough, something happened. And it was a glorious finish to that game. It was super fun to watch there. Unless, of course, you're a Buffalo Bills fan, not so much. And it kind of gets lost in the shuffle how good Diggs was in this game, too. Because Diggs had a tremendous, that would be the catch we'd be talking about, if not for the Hail Mary. Stephon Diggs made a phenomenal touchdown catch there at the end. He had a huge day in fantasy. He's not on this board because he kind of gets lost in the shuffle of, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins in that one moment at the end, which made for a big fantasy day for him. Uh, Certainly, Josh Jacobs is one of the more undervalued guys too. You see him on the board today. We don't talk about him enough. He is the guy. And maybe as, as time goes on, we start to maybe appreciate him a little bit more. I feel like he might be that guy that kind of gets taken for granted every year in fantasy. The Antonio Gibson game is a game that I don't think you could be surprised or shocked that it happened because Detroit's giving up more points to running backs than any other fantasy defense out there, almost 30 points a game. It's kind of insane. When you think about that, but to the running back position, they're giving up 30 points per game. It's just a ton of touchdowns and a ton of like, nobody can basically do any wrong against them. And uh, Antonio Gibson certainly looked good in this game, but McKissick also had some moments in this game too. Uh, I can't believe Alex Smith threw for as many yards as he did there. But uh, again, it was not enough at the end. And Tom Brady, I mean, what more is there to say? You're right. Tom Brady right now is a 20 to 1 odds to win the MVP on FanDuel, Craig. But I mean, an angry Tom Brady, it's like the Hulk. You just got to get out of his way. I mean, if you embarrass him one week, I'll tell you, it's a good thing the playoffs were never double elimination because, I mean, Tom Brady would have never lost a Super Bowl if that was the case. But Tom Brady continues to uh, to show you why he can still go, why he can still do this, and why he didn't want to step away and retire. And this was a huge, important game there uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks after, let's be honest, an absolute embarrassment the week before on Sunday Night Football.
1: And, and it just goes to show that, it's not even about writing Brady off. It's whatever the Saints are doing to prepare for the Buccaneers has worked. And I know it's yes. really hard to beat a team three times in a row, but it's just a reminder. We're going to forget it is November the 16th right now. December is going to come and then we're going to go into January. And the likelihood is these two teams are going to face each other again. And it very well could happen when we get to the playoffs. And when it does, just remind yourself, don't look at the spread. Don't look at the line at the time. Remind yourself that the Saints dominated the box in the two times they played. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay may win every game for the rest of the season, but what and now again if breezes out, that changes things. But right. if it if it's not, it's just very clear that Sean Payton and his team did a great job of figuring out how to stop Brady. Payton did it, I believe, with the Giants when he was uh the offensive coordinator there. He was part of what they did to stop Brady, and that was many years ago. And, and for whatever reason now, it is working. So when it gets to the playoffs and it, and the game is in New Orleans and New Orleans is a four-and-a-half-point favorite or the game is in Tampa and Tampa's a three-point favorite, you just keep in mind this is the only team that the Bucks did not look good against this season. And in terms of that ending for Arizona, I mean, to me, it is all – look, But you're right. Diggs made a great catch to win that game for sure. It, it could have went to overtime, by the way, and Buffalo could have won. But mm-hmm. I will say this. This was not a bad beat, okay? If you had Arizona and and Dig scores that touchdown, your expectation is you've lost and Buffalo deserved to win. If you bet Arizona in that game, Buffalo was the right side in that game. There is no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But in the end, when your team scores a touchdown on a Hail Mary and you have a line that says minus two and a half Arizona or minus two and they take a kneel, in the end to not go for that two point conversion you did not deserve to win by them kicking that extra point i mean that was a miracle at the end of it so i personally do not characterize that game as a bad beat for arizona it is a bad beat for the bills and and clearly um at least for me that that is the way that i see it and i and i saw some of that yesterday oh my gosh it took a knee and now i lost my arizona bet minus two and a half i should have won I'm sorry, Joe. I don't see it that way. You took Arizona. (laughs) You should have lost. You should have. Now look, I'll be I'll be completely, you know, transparent with this. Arizona was one of the picks in the Super Contest for me this week, but we did not deserve to win that game. Then again, in Week One, when DeAndre Swift gets hit in the face and they drop the ball, the Lions should have won. That's why things Mm -hmm. over the course of the season cancel out. I don't ever forget the losses. I don't ever forget the good wins and the bad wins. But that's what betting on sports is. At the end of the season, you're going to look back and you're going to say, we got lucky on some, you got unlucky on others. In this particular play, picking the Bills, even though Diggs make the great catch, was the right pick. The end. (laughs) There's nothing else to say.
2: I I couldn't agree more with you. And uh, I got to tell you, I think the thing that you have to keep in mind now going forward with the Cardinals is the intangible factor of what Kyler Murray is doing right now. I mean, he's on pace to be the first guy ever to have 1000 yards rushing and 4000 yards passing. Let that sink in for a moment, boys and girls. That is a very special pace that he is on. And it doesn't look like anybody's slowing him down. And I will say this, the bills at time in the first half of this game slowed him down. The way they came in waves in terms of, of the uh, the protection there, or the coverage there where they're trying to get after him in the pass rush. It was some really cool stuff they were doing. And it was effective for the first half of that game. And then they got tired. And then Kyler Murray happened. And well, that's all she wrote at the end of the day. But keep that in mind, too. I don't know if any lead is safe right now with Kyler Murray, rest of the season.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The final six or seven games is going to determine who wins the NFL MVP. I think it's just an even race right now amongst a lot of different players. And uh, anybody can win. So, worth discussing that. We'll do that tomorrow on the show. Coming up next, we, we go game by game through it here on Fantasy Sports Today. So, don't go away.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And
1: hey, welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. I'm Craig Nish, along with Joe Pizapia. It's time for us to start reviewing all of the games from a fantasy po- football perspective from this past sunday just a few weeks left in the regular season of fantasy as it comes to an end and then of course we have the playoffs and the regular season of the playoffs college football playoffs but it's really do or die time for a lot of teams including myself this coming week i think this is it for me it's uh it's it's more or less do or die now For the Green Bay Packers and Jacksonville Jaguars, it was certainly not the case. The Packers entered as a massive favorite in this game. And Jacksonville, for a while, gave them all they could handle, especially from the defensive point of view. I thought Jacksonville played very well at the beginning of this game, capitalizing on some mistakes. But in the end, the Packers end up winning a close one. Let's take a look at Aaron Rodgers, who also... Is in that conversation for mvp 24 34 325 passing yards three touchdowns one interception one of the touchdowns was a rushing touchdown quiet day for aaron jones as he had 13 carries for 46 yards five receptions 49 yards so not the best of days for him but healthy and playing what more can you ask for Devontae adams a reception 66 yards and a touchdown for him and marquez valdez scanling one of the better days we've seen from him over the last couple years four receptions 149 receiving yards and a touchdown. Now on the side of the Jacksonville Jaguars it was a little bit of a step back for Jake Luton which shouldn't be a surprise pretty good team in Green Bay film on a player so naturally a lot of the numbers are going to go down. Fortunately for their running back they did not but for Luton he was 18 of 35 169 passing yards one touchdown one interception not really fantasy viable. James Robinson is, though, continues to be over 109 rushing yards, two receptions for three yards. Keelan Cole, if you started him and you get points for special teams touchdowns, and he had a monster day for you, a couple of touchdowns there, five receptions, 47 receiving yards. And then DJ DJ Shark, unfortunately, goes back to sort of being what he has been for the majority of the season, just four catches and 56 yards for him. So I I think that, uh, Joe, uh, Green Bay got caught napping a little bit on Jacksonville, and it wasn't even as though Jacksonville's offense played particularly well. It was just Green Bay making mistakes, and I think sleepwalking through the first half played much better in the second half. And uh, look, for the Jaguars, basically the only viable commodity they have right now moving forward is James Robinson. He's a plug-and-play every single week. And for the Packers, you know the names too. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you play Mm -hmm. him. You have Aaron Jones, you play him. And if you have Adams, you, you put him in no matter what. But beyond that, I think that the pictures on these two teams are perfectly clear moving forward.
2: They are. I think one of the things that could come a little clearer here is what's going forward for MVS because these is not one, but now two games in a row where he's been very good. Now, before that, he did basically nothing. I think he had like one out of five in terms of catches and targets. The two games before these last two monstrous ones, where I think he's got three touchdowns over the last two games. So, If this is going to be what they envisioned him, if all of a sudden now this is the reason why Green Bay didn't make a move at the deadline or didn't want to pull the trigger on Will Fuller because they thought Marquez Valdez-Scantley had this in him to step up, this remains to be seen because we've had a good one-off game here and there for MVS in the past, and it hasn't necessarily snowballed into steady productivity. Now, on the Jaguar side of this game, for me, I was very happy to be wrong about james robinson Uh, i i thought that this even despite the fact that the Packers were so bad against the run i still was a little concerned here about game script but like you said because green bay kind of allowed jacksonville to stay in this game longer This guy was able to eat 23 carries 109 yards. It's another hundred yard game for Robinson. It's a great game for him and DJ shark. I would just say this to folks out there too. I had warned everybody going into this matchup on the show last week that this is a really tough cornerback matchup for DJ shark. He was gonna have Jair Alexander on him. Number one graded PFF corner this year so far that it would be tough. I would going forward, I would give him that benefit of the doubt Going forward, I think DJ Shark is a guy that if you do have a spot there, at wide receiver three, you take a shot with him and see here with this next game shows you. And after that and after that, because look, a lot of the options there aren't great at wide receiver three. Anyway, if Luton is going to be useful there with shark as he was in that first game, you can kind of take what you saw in the first game, take what you saw in the second game against a much tougher matchup for him on paper. And then maybe split the difference. And I think you could live with something in between. And if something in between is something like, you know, six catches for 75 yards or something like that, well, that's something that you can live with as a wide receiver three going forward in PPR league. So let's not judge DJ Shark too harshly on this game because of the matchup, but let's also not elevate him too far because how good he was two weeks ago against the Texans, because the same thing is true, just the different sides of that coin.
1: All right. Fair enough. Let's move on to the Giants and Philadelphia Eagles, a game that was pretty much dominated uh, by the Giants from start to finish. Daniel Jones, (laughs) 21 of 28, 244 passing yards and 64 rushing yards, along with a rushing touchdown and a touchdown passing. Wayne Gallman, two more touchdowns for him, 18 carries, 53 yards, one reception, seven yards. Also, Alfred Morris looked pretty good. He was pretty much uh, being used a lot in this game. Darius Slayton, 5 for 93, and Sterling Shepard, 6 for 47. The Giants had a very good game plan in this one. It was just run the ball, run the ball, and, and run the ball some more, essentially, and mm-hmm. wait for Philadelphia to either turn the ball over or punt. And Philadelphia just basically did not convert a third down uh, a third down at all in this game. I think they were like <laughs> 1 for 12 or 0 for 12. They played horribly bad. Uh, Wentz was 21 of 37, 208 passing yards, just a disaster of a day. And This is coming off a bye for them, by the way. Miles Sanders, 15 of 85, also two receptions. He looked pretty good. So did Boston Scott, who ended up scoring a touchdown. And once again, absolutely no contribution from wide receivers or tight ends. Goddard got hurt early in this one. He came back and played. Rodgers had four receptions for 60 yards. And uh, look, I I suppose the story is the Giants are the best betting team in the NFL in 2020. There's (laughs) no other way to look at it. They just keep covering. They keep winning. And... Look, some of it is luck when it comes to covering. I mean, that's just just the nature of of sports betting. But uh, I think in this situation, what you kind of have to ask yourself about Philadelphia moving forward is just, like, how they deserve to be a favorite in any game in particular. They just, to me, I don't don't think Giants are good. But, I I mean, Philadelphia, Joe, looks horrible to me. They look terrible. Like, they look done. And and so I I could see the Giants passing them in the standings. I know it's crazy to say, but I could see it.
2: Oh, I could see it too. And I've been kind of on this track for a while, you know, and we talked about not just covering all the time, but we talked about the effort level. They don't match up well against anybody because they don't have as much talent on their roster top to bottom. But what they do have is effort. They just don't quit. They don't go away. And I think you got to go back to the coach here and the head coach and Joe judge. And what he's been able to do is he gets these guys every week to have a decent enough game plan to compete. They somehow hang in games despite the massive amount of turnovers that they still have. And Daniel Jones is always that guy that turns over the football too. They've still been able to cover and win some games despite that as well. Daniel Jones has been making plays with his legs. And luckily in this one, he was able to get into the end zone before he outran his own legs this time around in that great run for the touchdown. But that's what they do. They just, they don't quit. And I think that's very admirable. And I think going forward in this division, it's something to really consider. It would not shock me at the end of the day, if they were at the top of the standings. And I think there was a real trap coming into this game of saying, okay, everybody's healthy, or at least most people are healthy now for the Eagles. This is the get right game for the Eagles. It was a very dangerous set of circumstances because they really haven't had anybody all healthy together at the same time. This was the game where they did, right? So, okay, well, we got Miles Sanders back. We got Goddard back. uh, We got Rager. We got all the guys that we've been looking for all year, right? Now should be our time. But it's not always as easy as that, especially because Carson Wentz still continues to make bad decisions. He still refuses to check down. He still refuses to force the football where he shouldn't. And on top of which the offensive line is still having problems. Check this out the last uh, six games for the seven straight games. Excuse me. He has been sacked three or more times, seven straight games. I mean, at a certain point, the offensive line has to be held accountable too. the game plan has to be held accountable. And well, at one point now, does doug peterson start to really worry about his job security because i understand he just won a super bowl not that long ago but philly can be a fickle town And right now, I think everyone's looking at this and saying, why aren't we just beating everybody? We have more talent than everybody that's left here. Theoretically, we have more personnel. We should be winning. Dak Prescott is out. The giants are not quote, very good. We got Alex Smith playing quarterback for the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles. Literally Craig cannot get out of their own way. And just because they are healthy now, it is a real trap. Even next week of saying, well, it was the first week of everybody back together how many times are we going to start making excuses? When do we stop doing that with the Philadelphia Eagles and just say, Hey, maybe they are just not executing or going to execute well enough all season. I watched this game start to finish. To me, it just was, it was like the Eagles just were the gang that couldn't shoot straight. They could not get anything right. Save that one big run for Boston Scott. And after that, look, I mean, the giants just show up every week for better or worse. They are pesky and dangerous and everybody better recognize it.
1: Yeah. And at this point, I mean, I guess six and 10 wins the division, honestly. Like it oh may. Oh, God. It, it, it I may. Think, it, I just I, got a
2: shiver when you said six and 10. I think you might be right. I mean, I, who's getting oh, seven and nine
1: in this division? I don't I, don't know, I mean, he, remember, Philadelphia has a tie. So they could literally be six, nine and one and win. It could be the Giants. I, I don't think it'll be Washington or Dallas. I think it is New York or Philadelphia. But at this stage, I mean, it could be New York winning six games. I mean, it, it really could. It's just embarrassing how bad the football has been. And two teams basically playing, and I understand the Giants are a little, you know, they're playing at home, so they have an advantage. But remember, the oddsmakers made Philadelphia more than a three-point favorite in this game, and yeah. it just it, it wasn't deserved, I guess, in the end. So uh, we'll see. But, yeah, it's the division that – basically nobody wants to win and that's the way it was last year and it's the way it is this year again it's unfortunately worse. and to it think if dallas could year. have just gotten if dallas could have gotten, ball, have gotten dalton or anyone to just play 500 ball they would have got in there like it's it's crazy but to think
2: they, they with all the talent they have
1: bad. they can just have anyone
2: it's just nuts. you're right and and we thought it was bad last year that nobody wanted to win this division it is worse it is and that's very rare worse. Yeah, two and, and, years in a row I, it and so it's bad. shocking and we could say what well, what happened with Dak Prescott, you know, maybe it would have been a different two. Maybe they could just outscore people. And that and that's honestly at this point, it's fair to think that maybe Dak Prescott could have would overcome have been this eight and eight. gotten them to Aiden up. Yeah, right. eight and up. Right. Eight maiden, so we're on the same page there. But I think the bigger question now is where are we at with the regression of Carson Wentz? Because a few years ago, him and Deshaun Watson were the two hottest young quarterbacks in the NFL that could do no wrong, and everybody wanted them in every dynasty league. Now, where are we at? They could not be more polar opposite. Watson still looks like Watson, despite all the struggles of the Texans. But Carson Wentz does not look like the same guy. And that is a question that they have to figure out sooner than later.
1: Yeah, everyone points to their offensive line being graded last in the NFL. That definitely has to be considered in the conversation, but I think it goes beyond that as well. And welcome back to fantasy sports today. There have been some teams in the NFL that have really struggled to close out leads and have disappointed at the end of games. Of course, the Atlanta Falcons always come to mind. So do the Los Angeles Chargers. But we're going on two years of the Detroit Lions literally giving away games in the end. And yesterday was almost no different. It could be a different conversation that we'd be having today as the Lions went up 24 to three. And the Washington football game found their way back in this, not just in garbage time, but also almost won the game. But first, let's check in on the fantasy aspect of it. As Matthew Stafford threw for three touchdowns yesterday and 276 passing yards, he was 24 of 33. It looks like they finally are giving DeAndre Swift more of an opportunity, which is a good thing. 16 carries, 81 rushing yards, also five receptions, 68 receiving yards and a touchdown. So perhaps this is the beginning of a good Swift, but we'll see. Marvin Jones has been very good with Galladay out. Eight receptions, 96 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And Marvin Hall also stepped up with two receptions, 61 receiving yards for a touchdown. And Galladay, since he didn't practice all week last week, we could be looking at exactly the same for the Lions this week. Now, in terms of Washington, Alex Smith had his best day ever: 38 of 55, uh, 390 passing yards for Alex Smith. We mentioned Antonio Gibson at the at the top of the show, so those are his numbers again. JD McKissick continues to catch Alex Smith's checkdowns, seven receptions, 43 receiving yards and a touchdown for him. So giving you a very good fantasy day, Terry McLaurin, seven receptions, 95 receiving yards, 15 fantasy points for him as well. Maybe 16 in some leagues and Isaiah, Wright, Six receptions, 59 yards makes our list for the first time all season long. Maybe he's somebody to consider moving forward. If Alex Smith ends up liking him, but it is staggering to me, Joe and really unacceptable in the way that the Lions just continue to give away games. My gosh, like they had that thing won, but just like they do every time they take their foot off the pedal, they just start running the ball, and the other team comes back. Their defense sort of bends but doesn't break, and in this case, it didn't. They were very fortunate to get the win, and the Lions are are trying to chase down five hundred. I think this officially puts Washington's season to an end. They they certainly have a shot in that division, but I I don't know that that is the case again. And from a fantasy perspective, I suppose Swift is really the bigger story Mm -hmm. here to think maybe if you stashed him all season long that you can continue to play him. But as we've seen with other rookie running backs in the NFL, it seems like head coaches have been really hesitant to just give it to one
2: guy. Yeah, you're right. The Detroit Lions certainly do struggle to close out games. And uh, maybe they should have Alec Baldwin's character from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross show up, do a little pep talk about closing. Always be closing Maybe a little intimidation factor would be nice. You know, uh, hey, coffee's for closers. Put that Gatorade down. Put it down. But anyway, DeAndre Swift, this was his first start in the NFL. So for whatever that means, you could take that going forward. And, you know, we talked last year about the guys that kind of came on the second half and who those rookie running backs were, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary. And it feels like Swift could be in that kind of mode. And and it's funny because Swift was that one guy who's – ADP did not rise. In fact, it actually sunk a little bit when Adrian Peterson showed up into town. So this was the one rookie running back that I thought personally was a good investment because hey, you don't have to overpay for him like you do for Jonathan Taylor or some of the other guys were getting a lot of us or a first round pick like Clyde Edwards helaire This is a guy going much later than that that you could take a flyer on. And he was also a very big trade target on this show more than one week because of hey, don't forget the second half. Sometimes the teams start turning things over to these rookie running backs. And if this was the first start, and this is the kind of play he's going to get going forward, or at least close to it in terms of touches, sign me up. We want 20 touches a week out of DeAndre Swift. I think if they commit to that number, Craig, then you're going to have a very good running back, maybe even a running back that wins you some leagues because of where you got him or when you acquired him or what you acquired him for. So I think this is something to really pay attention to and also pay attention to what happens when Kenny Galladay comes back in too, if it gets better or if it gets worse. And that is something also to keep in mind. So for Detroit, I think I'm holding out hope here that Deandre Swift has the second half that I think he's capable of having, but the coaching staff's got to turn it over to him. And look, Alex Smith bailed me out. I told you I was in the super flex with no more quarterbacks, Matt Ryan on a bye. Alex Smith was my zero bid. I'm out of money. And he threw for 390 yards. I don't know how it happened. Uh, I guess I just guess got lucky this week. And like you said, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I would not anticipate 390 from Alex Smith every week. Don't get caught into a false sense of security there, but Gibson and McKissick had a good game against one of the worst defenses against the run. So also don't get too crazy about that going forward to monitor that closely and the matchups going forward.
1: All right, let's go to the Tampa Bay Bucks and Carolina Panthers. We hit on Tom Brady early on. He threw for 341 passing yards An unbelievable day for Brady against the Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, hung in in the first half in this game, but then the second half, it was all bucks. Ronald Jones had his best day as a pro. He had a 98-yard touchdown, 192 rushing yards, also reception as well. So there we go with Jones, Chris Godwin, six receptions, 92 yards. Hey, Mike Evans even got involved. Six receptions, 77 and a touchdown. Antonio Brown, Seven receptions, 69 yards. We'll see what he does forward in the offense. And Rob Gronkowski ended up scoring in this game. Two receptions, 51 yards for him as Gronk really over the last few weeks has become a viable starter in fantasy football, at tight end. When Brady is running that well, everyone's going to have a good day. And that's Mm -hmm. what happened yesterday. Now, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt in this game. And so his status is in question and they really don't have a viable backup. So we're going to have to keep an eye on what that means. Also, Christian McCaffrey already ruled out for this week. So you'll be seeing more of Mike Davis. Bridgewater if you started him well I mean he did throw three touchdowns if you lose points for picks that may have hurt but in the end he probably gave you the 20 points you were looking for Mike Davis did not unfortunately seven for 32 and four receptions and DJ Moore four receptions 96 yards and a touchdown there'll be better days ahead for the Panthers they're still playing a little bit over their head Joe so uh, I think that you can come out of this game not feeling too badly about them unless Teddy Bridgewater is out. And for the Bucs, it was good to see uh, Tom Brady getting everybody involved. And it finally, Mike Evans getting more involved in the yeah. offense, because I think that's a player drafted really high that's been a big disappointment.
2: Well, look, when you see eight catches for Godwin, uh, six for Evans, seven for Antonio Brown, I, that that's a very dangerous thing. I think opposing defenses are looking at that going, oh, that's going to be a tough day at the office when we play the Bucs. It was already pretty tough anyway that's a lot of people to worry about. And then you have that long run by Ronald Jones and I will wear the dunce cap. I I'm an idiot Leonard Fournette. I thought would be the better guy. I'm wrong again. Now next week Leonard Fournette will be good and I'll be wrong again. You can't get this right no matter what you do. But uh, I got a great stat on tomorrow's show for Ronald Jones. So stick around for that because uh, it might be, feel better about Ronald Jones going forward and whether or not you can build on this huge game here. A record by the way. Most rushing yards in the game by a Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So congratulations to you Ronald Jones. I'm wearing the dunce cap. You did it. Good job by you. Never count out Tom Brady. It's just a stupid thing to do. And like you said, you know, Gronk has definitely outperformed our expectations. I had zero expectations going into the season for Gronk. He has gotten better as the season's gone on as a tight end you just got to get that touchdown more often than not in the last few weeks he's able to do that Craig he's become a tight end one and as far as Carolina goes I'm fascinated to see what happens with them down the stretch run because if Bridgewater is hurt and does miss time we already have the illusion that McCaffrey's not gonna be playing uh, in week 11. It's a good matchup for Mike Davis so maybe they'll get running the football a ton in this game. That's potentially coming up in week 11 for Mike Davis, but Carolina has done a really good job this year being competitive. It doesn't always show up in the win loss column for them, but it shows up when you're watching the games, they compete just like the giants in a lot of ways too. This team shows up every week. So now that they're starting to fade out of it in terms of wins and losses, do they start to quit a little bit? And that's going to be a fascinating thing to see what this head coach has been able to do and what kind of culture they've been able to create here with Matt Rule and Joe Brady and some of these other guys here, this new regime here in Carolina. So if they continue to compete, even though the losses keep piling up, then I think you've really found the right culture and the right guy to lead this team forward here. And I think Carolina, regardless, this is a year of growing for them. And I think you'd be remiss not to mention how much they've grown over a short period of time already in these first 10 weeks.
1: Yeah, and and I wouldn't be surprised to not see McCaffrey again, honestly. I just don't think that there's a point. Uh, The Panthers have played well enough to get to six or seven wins. If Bridgewater is hurt, they'd be insane to bring McCaffrey back anytime soon. Uh, I've been very impressed with them all season long, and I'm not going to look at this one game and say I'm off them. In fact, if there was a right spot for them, I probably would take them against the spread. But uh, it's just a tough matchup for them. And, uh, and and again with the Buccaneers, you just gotta you just gotta understand where they're at here. They're struggling against one team in the NFL and playing great against everybody else. So they're a great bet as well. All right, now uh, bottom three worst game of the NFL played this season. Usually the Jets are in a couple of those, but this this <laughs> yesterday was the one that was just disgusting. Now look, the Ravens uh, that game last night against New England, the weather was probably worse. But I don't know, this one rivaled it. It was it, I, I just kept checking back on in on this game and there was nothing happening. every time I turned it on, there was no one scoring. It was brutal. Uh, the weather and, and the wind just destroyed the game. Uh, but the Cleveland Browns win. Baker Mayfield, 12 of 20, 132 passing yards, two uh, running backs on Cleveland, both rushed for 100 yards. Nick Chubb 126 in a touchdown. Kareem Hunt. 104 and a touchdown, and if you look at the carries, that's what they should do, because if you're going to run the ball like Cleveland did 45 times yesterday, you better get 100 yards. Three receptions, 28 receiving yards for them. Uh, Higgins, three receptions, 48 receiving yards. Now, in terms of Houston, what a disaster for Deshaun Watson in the first half, two Mm -hmm. fantasy points. Finally, in the second half, he was able to open up a little bit. The weather got a little bit better. He ended up throwing for one touchdown, salvaging something. Duke Johnson, 14 for 54. 54. Brandon cooks six for 39. Unfortunately, the story in this one, Joe was the weather and you can't predict that in the mm-hmm. NFL as the week went on. It appeared that there was going to be a good shot for 25 30 mile hour winds. It ended up being a little bit higher than that. Neither guy could really throw and the coaches on both sides basically de- determined, hey, we're just going to run the ball. And when you see 60 or 70 rushes in a game, you have a game that ends at 330 in the afternoon on a Sunday, which is super <laughs> rare. But that's sort of the way that it played out. So for me, this game was very similar to when Cleveland played uh, the Las Vegas Raiders a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. yep. where I look at it and say, great, that Chubb is back. He looked fantastic. But the reality is, is I don't think that this is a blueprint for Cleveland moving forward. And I think Houston will be, will see better days as well. You just got to kind of chalk up what you got yesterday.
2: Yeah, again, once, uh, once again, what you saw a couple weeks ago to the Raiders with those crazy win factor and everything going on in Cleveland, you just, crumpled up, throw it out. Don't worry about it. Same thing here with the Texans offense, you know, and a lot of people had expectations for Duke Johnson filling in for David Johnson. That didn't work out either, but nobody runs the ball more than the Cleveland Browns anyway. So this is kind of tailor made for them. And I'm going to get absolutely lit up by Craig about the Rams in hour or two. So before I do, and, and I deserve that, and I will take it like a man because I, I have no choice, but we did do a fantasy reality. And I was mocked when I said that they could get a hundred yards each and they did, you're right. The circumstances certainly played into it, but it's also what the identity of this team is. I mean, you look overall, nobody's run the mall more than the Cleveland Browns. And I think it's – I don't think it's an indictment on Baker Mayfield. I think it's just the situation of where this team is at. I think this is what they have. This is who they are. Uh, Odell Beckham is not there anymore, so the vertical passing game really does not exist for them at this point. So what's the identity of this team? Well, we have this two-headed monster. Miles Garrett's playing out of his mind this year. Let's play defense. Let's run the football. Let's do old-school Cleveland kind of stuff. And I think it's going to be good enough to at least keep them in this conversation of the playoffs for another couple weeks, Craig. And they are right there. They're in the hunt, as they like to say. So a couple more tiebreakers, maybe go their way. We'll see what happens. But right now, I, I know it's not sexy from a fantasy standpoint. If you're a Baker Mayfield owner, it's incredibly frustrating. But you have to understand this is who they are. And, and I think anybody who was hesitant to go out there with Chubb again, it's the same lesson you have to learn from last week with McCaffrey. If you have a stud running back back out there on the field, especially in the fan duel world, you go out there and you start said running back, okay? Because you don't know when you're going to get them again. And if they come at any kind of a discount, like McCaffrey a couple weeks ago, was about a $500 discount on FanDuel. Nick Chubb this week, probably about a three dollars to $400 value on FanDuel from his usual salary. You take that to the bank, you hope for the best, especially when the weather is showing you that that's going to be the kind of game, it's going to be a grinding kind of game. So good job by the Browns to get the victory. But like I said, going forward, you know, I don't think they can pray for this wind every single week. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you that if the weather was bad there, you didn't watch the game last night in New England. That was one of the worst-played weather games I've seen at the end of a game, and we'll hit on that game next, so make sure you stay on the grid.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back. It is fantasy sports today here on sports grid. Eventually the Ravens are going to have to start playing better because my (laughs) idea of them holding Lamar Jackson back and then just unleashing him in the second half of the season. uh, That may be a bad assessment here. I'm not really sure what is going on with the Ravens, but uh, let's just give credit to the new England Patriots who had they not blown that game against the Buffalo bills would be right in the mix for not only the division, but possibly making the playoffs in the afc cam newton yesterday threw for just 118 passing yards it was a rough environment but he did his best he threw for two touch- he threw for a touchdown ran for a touchdown damian harris looked good again another 100 rushing yard game for him so if you held him this long now you're getting a chance to play him a little bit rex burkhead also was a monster two touchdowns 31 rushing yards 30 receiving yards the guy's been great this year And Jacoby Myers continues to be the main target of Newton. You can play him comfortably as a wide receiver, three for sure, five receptions, 59 yards, and a passing touchdown. Now, as far as Lamar Jackson is concerned, I guess the excuses are going to have to stop at some point because Mm -hmm. their offense just does not look right. Lamar Jackson did get two touchdowns in and 55 rushing yards, so he – Got the 20 points you were looking for, but not in the way that you would want it. Gus Edwards, 7 carries, 42 rushing yards, 1 reception, 31 rushing yards. Willie Sneed, 5 for 64. He scored twice. That helped nobody. And then Mark Andrews, 7 receptions and 61 rushing yards. And I'm not sure what's going on with Baltimore. I, I think that they're the better team, Joe. I think they have the better defense. Uh, it's, it, I don't think anybody really has the answer, honestly, for the Ravens. Why is Lamar Jackson not playing great? JK Dobbins. Oh, it's time for JK Dobbins time. No, nope. not
2: really. He didn't nope. play
1: that much, so still the Gus baby. Coming. Maybe
2: he'll be back. Yeah. Um nope. back yeah, in this great. game, and you didn't uh, see him. He's not yeah. great, Gus Edwards. Yeah. No, he's not, um, but he's he's the best of the three at this point. I think he's the most reliable. Yeah, playing him
1: playing Gus him was a was a bad decision on Sunday. Okay. So <laughs> they they, they, they he had 40 yards. I mean they they yeah. just they're not they don't i mean i i had heard that that he said on the dan patrick or was it dan patrick show or colin coward one of those two shows that uh lamar jackson had said that the other team was calling out some of their signals that greg roman mm-hmm. was giving them. yeah i heard that and, yeah. and and i had heard that and thought whoa like maybe that's a problem but maybe i should just be giving credit to new england and assuming the same that the ravens eventually will turn it up maybe. but it doesn't
2: look like that well look a takeaway for me damian harris another hundred yard game that's a third now this season Okay, we'll be back with Hour 2 right after this.
0: Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.